welcome to the great conversation where ideas matter. Ideas shape markets, ideas change the world. And today we have with us in the risk, resilience, and security industry, we have with us Cheryl Michaels. Now, Cheryl is an old friend of the great conversation, um, but also <laughs> as a friend of the great conversation, she also has a very significant role at one of the most noted universities in the Pacific Northwest, Seattle Pacific University. And Cheryl has presented over the years how her program evolved to make, make sure they were ready at the time of need, a need that they never imagined they would have to have security function like it did. But her program operated on many different levels, at a cultural level, the SPU culture, at the uh, program level, where they had key uh, people performing roles in a process using technology at the compliance level. And, uh, and a lot of that work, that hard, hard spade work paid off, Cheryl, in a number of incidents that of course were not planned. And so we really enjoyed those stories. But Cheryl, I gotta tell you, that's an old story depending on how we view today's moment today's inflection point, this, this period of time that's been, we can say, gifted to us in the great conversation. So what's been going on with you, Cheryl Michaels, during this period? I tell you, Ron, it's Kairos. Okay, hold on. You can't throw out a term called Kairos without telling me where, where's your head at? What is Kairos? You're familiar with the Greek term Kronos, right? Absolutely. Oh, we all are. Time. In this pandemic period where all of our sense of time has been completely thrown out the window. I mean, I think we're all discombobulated. Our sense of sequential, ritualistic, daily activities is completely out the window. And it's got me thinking about time, about how confusing this time is and, and what it means and then I heard another Greek word called kairos. And kairos is another Greek word for time, but where chronos is quantitative, kairos is qualitative. Kairos is that moment, the big M moment, that opportunity that comes along. You could say that this pandemic period is a moment, an epoch, a kairos in our lives that we're experiencing. But we can drill down and say these crises that we run into, sometimes even these moments of opportunities for our business to expand or a new relationship to develop, these are all those moments and those opportunities. And I just started digging into that and I've been really just kind of, what is a Kairos mindset? And what does that mean for me to translate it into my business? to my work that I do? And how do I share that mindset with others? So tell me what a Kairos mindset might look like. Give me, give me a scorecard. I know, I know what a, when I think of leaders at a big M moment, I think of the Winston Churchills, the Franklin Roosevelt's, the Abe Lincoln's, the athletes on the seventh game of the World Series or the Olympics, I think of the big M. Leaders in general, though, what, what's a Kairos mindset? So this is still a work in progress for me as I've been developing my own thinking around this. 
But I, I think a Kairos mindset is made up of three mental stances, if you will. The first is anticipatory thinking. As leaders, we should be considering not just what the short-term vision is, but what's the long-term vision. You know, we're, we're kind of over-familiar with the black swan concept, right? the black swan theory. And, and I bought into that theory early on too, um, along with many others about these unforeseen catastrophic, catastrophic events that come into our lives and very rarely are we prepared for it. We didn't see that coming, right? Uh, we had had a previous conversation, you and I, about lack of imagination, about how we, we cannot consider these things. So there's another theory, because I'm moving away from the black swan theory. I think black swans are foreseeable events. I think it's one of those um, concepts where it's really an unknown known. You're familiar with the Donald Rumsfeld concept of the known knowns, the unknown unknowns, and the known unknowns, right? Well, there's a fourth that we don't consider very often, and I think this is a black swan. This is the unknown known, the situation where we just refuse to acknowledge that it's possible or to do any work to prepare for it. There's a new theory, or new to me, that I've come across called the Dragon King theory. And similar to the black swan, but if you take that same um, power laws and you consider, for example, if you take your cities in France and you compare them across you know, a, a median line, all the big cities and all the large cities, you're gonna come, you're going to get an average of a, a straight power line, okay? But France, is an outlier and so exponentially above all the other cities that it's, a, the term's called the Dragon King. So we know Dragon Kings exist, but are we identifying how we prepare for those? You know, I love the metaphor of what a dragon just, you know, is a destructive force and we could be dragon slayers. So for me, if I'm gonna, you know, drill down into, into what resonates with me, I love the idea of anticipatory thinking means I'm a dragon slayer. I am looking for those future dragons and I am preparing my castle <laughs> for what that defense looks like. Right? Well, that, 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 that's fascinating here. Um, so it doesn't matter what kind of event, mm -mm. A, this mindset of Kairos is a mindset that says, not don't really care what's thrown at me because there are certain tools I uh, uh, there are certain tools I have at my disposal and there's a certain way of consuming information that's going to give me the weapons to slay any dragon coming at me do I have that yeah. right yeah yeah but that's just the first mental stance okay. we have to be open and willing to engage in anticipatory thinking Right? That's the first okay. mental stance. Okay. The second mental stance, and I'm going to draw on Dr. Rob McKenna's, um, he, he outlined uh, um, three dispositions for performance adaptability. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to draw on his third disposition. 
which is um, situational awareness. Okay. I think the third mental stance is being alert to our, the context of our environment that we're working in. So day-to-day -day operations or engaging with others or looking for those intuitive insights that kind of say, follow this rabbit trail, dig into this a little bit more. And I think that's a skill set we can build on also. I think situational awareness and intuition are very much tied together. And I think intuition can be developed in us. And I also think that there are some things that prohibit us from really embracing our, that intuitive sense. You know, when we're ridiculed for an idea, it shuts down our ability to, to keep going. If we're afraid of failing, it shuts down our ideas of, of trying to explore new concepts and, and step out because, because we're afraid of the embarrassment or the shame. Uh, sometimes our intu intuition can fail because we, we've just become so myopic that we, we miss some things. You know, um, again, I, I, I love, and you're probably familiar with this, the, uh, the gorilla um, stories, right? So um, the gorilla playing basketball, you know, 80% of the people who watch this video miss the gorilla, right? That walks right in front of them because people don't see what they aren't expecting to see. So I came across another study that was done. Um, you can look it up on the internet. It's called the Gorilla Strikes Again, the Invisible Gorilla Strikes Again. So the, the, the experiment was they took 24 radiologists, experienced expert radiologists, and they asked them to look over a series of uh, lung x-rays and identify some anomalies, typical lung anomalies that they are very used to doing. And they inserted in the last slide a gorilla, 43 times the size of the lung anomaly that they were hunting for. They did eye tracking, testing, and all the participants' eyes tracked over the gorilla, but only 83%, sorry, 83% of those missed the gorilla completely, never saw it. You know, so again, situational awareness is being able to confront the idea that, that we overlook things that we don't expect to see. We have to open our minds to what those are. I guess it ties to anticipatory, right? We're building a foundation and working towards what action we want to take in the moment when it appears. So the well, third so, mental, oh yeah. Well, real quick on that though, you know, it's so funny because a term during this period of social unrest this in term of implicit bias has come up over and over again. Mm -hmm. And I, I like to think of it as something you've been programmed into. Yeah. So you trained your mind to see a certain way. It doesn't matter how you got there at first. I mean, it does matter. But at the end of the day, you've been programmed. You program yourself or society's programmed you. In this case of the uh, radiologists, they've been programmed to look for something. They're mm -hmm. highly focused and trained to do it. And of course, they're not going to see the gorilla because they're looking for something totally different. So how do you train people to see the things they're supposed to see mm -hmm. and also see the things they're not supposed to see? Well, that's part two of our conversation, Ron. <laughs> <laughs> because because uh, the, the, the expert that I 
really get uh, uh, engaged with is um, anything by Gary Klein. Um, right. Where Gary is talking about how to transfer this decision-making ability, how to enhance it in ourselves and how to transfer it to others. And his concepts around taking your, building on your experience, but also being open to new ideas, um, looking for connections and not shying away from them. And ultimately, I think it comes down to storytelling. You know, knowledge doesn't move us to action, but stories create that emotive response that can persuade us that now is the time to act. Right, because so, it's, it's touching on more than the mind. Yeah, the mind can acknowledge things and say this is a good idea, but a lot of our actions are come from that you know emotional place. Uh, and as leaders, we shouldn't try to to eliminate that. We should embrace it and fold it into our thinking, so that you know we're not shutting aside into saying, oh, it's just logic based. There is a place in our decision-making for intuitive sense, for the stories that move us along um, to action. And what is, is that, what is that book by Gary Klein that our listeners can refer to? Uh, I would start with um, seeing things that others don't. It's one of his most recent books. Uh, goodness, follow anything that he's written and uh, it, it will open up your mind to so many other new ideas. And he is the, a master at recognizing how other people made connections. That's fantastic. So, all right. What's the third it, mental state? All right. My third mental stance is called preparation, primed action. Preparation. What was the second word? Primed. Primed. Action. Action. Okay. Got it. Okay. So this is where we address the value of preparing for an event that we identified in our anticipatory thinking process. Uh, even better situational awareness, we can apply that mental stance and say, does my solution in this problem have application in other areas? So we get more bang for our buck, right? When we start implementing our ideas. Preparation primed action means when that Kairos, the moment arrives. And, and we know this. I mean, I bet you could tell me story after story of a time where you felt like, Eureka, this is it. The light bulb came on. I have an idea or I recognize now is the time to act. Now is the moment, right? A lot of the work we do, we can't act unless we've done some level of preparing for it. You gave examples of athletes in the Olympics, right? They, their moment is when the, when the gunshot is fired and, and they take off, they're acting. But think of all of the preparation that primed them to be able to act in that moment. For me in, 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 in the work and how I look at things, it's, I need to prepare my mindset. I need to prepare and tools, techniques, skill sets, training, and develop those, so it's a, a muscle memory if it's training, it's a technique, it's a, a procedure, um, a process, and, and a way of just applying a greater sense of our intuition to a problem solving. 
You know, so uh, another way to look at this, uh, there's a new book I'm reading called Obliquity, but I've been thinking about obliqueness and I'll, and I'll bet this resonates with you too, right? <laughs> um, but it comes back to prepare, prepper, preparing. We solve problems by not having a direct approach, but by taking solutions from this problem and this problem and applying them in a new way, right? We've obliquely solved problems by gathering different solutions, experiences, and applying them in this, you know, something unique that we're looking at. But how much better using anticipatory thinking if we can think of the problems we need to solve and then have those solutions built into place ahead of time, right? That's our mitigation strategies and in our security field. So this is interesting. Um, so if I came in to SPU to work with you right now, you'd be sitting me down in your office and doing some exercises like, what could shut down this school? What could shut down this business completely? Yes. And yes. if it did, what would we do about it? Yes. Yeah. Gary, Gary Klein calls this activity a pre-mortem. I like it. <laughs> and so where you, you take a problem, it's not just what will shut us down, but will this program succeed? And then ask yourself, what will prevent it from succeeding? And the best activity is where you really engage in like, you know, just outrageous thinking, you know, where, okay, well, the aliens are going to land in the square and they're going to, you know, we have to deal with that. Well, that could really disrupt the program and cause it to fail. Uh, and then as you work through all of these ideas, the top ones that are real challenges start to percolate mm -hmm. to the top. Right. And then you can start identifying your strategies to address those. Sometimes we just have to live with some uncertainty and recognize and, and, and maybe pray that in the moment, <laughs> the solution is going to present itself and we're going to have that insight that leads us to it. But how much better if we can have a lot of tools at the ready to apply to a situation that we've given some forethought to. Mm -hmm. you know, and we can see this in so many people's actions. I attended a security conference. A police officer was giving a presentation and he was sharing a story of a, a young rookie who went to the range every day and he uh, was practicing shooting and, and police officers tend to follow the same kind of stance, shoot at the same kind of target. And he was at the same time riding along with his more experienced FTO and who was sharing stories. And the FTO had shared a story once about, you know, having been in a unique situation and he had to fire from the ground. And this rookie was like, I never practiced that. I never practiced shooting from a different, mm -hmm. you know, prone position or something. And he started practicing. And one day he and his partner were driving along a back alley and bad guy jumps out, starts firing at him, at them in the car. He jumps out of the car, rolls to the ground, and starts firing from a prone position, a muscle memory he had practiced that he didn't have to think about, but saved his and his partner's life because right. of that action, right? So all of those 
elements, those mental stances applied in, in a situation just like that. He anticipated a problem. He created some, you know, what is the situation that this could occur in? And what do I need to do to prepare so that I'm ready to act in the moment? Well, this is really interesting. So <laughs> although we're having a great conversation in the risk, resilience, and security industry, I think Cheryl Michaels is sharing something that transcends um, domains like security. Uh, she's talking about leadership in general. And if you think about it, Cheryl, you know, in a strange sense, you're defining the entrepreneur. Because mm. the entrepreneur recognizes they're in, in whatever environment you're in, you're in a competitive environment. And the window, the moment, the window of opportunity will arise at some point where everything we've known about what we do no longer applies. Yeah. And so if you just educate yourself, I'm going to use an example. If you just listen to the consultant who is steeped in a taxi business model and you only are doing scenarios based around that model, you'll never see Uber coming. Right. Right? Right. So if, think, so if you think about it, a leadership mindset, in a sense, is an entrepreneurial mindset. It says these big moments, these big windows of opportunity, these, in a sense, Kairos sacred moments are the moments where everything can change and innovation occurs. You are creating an innovation mindset in your Kairos mindset. Does that sound yeah. right? Yeah, it sounds absolutely. Because yeah. you're looking at things obliquely. You're yeah. looking at things like, wait, we've been schooled. We got our CPP, you know, we got our security program, programmatic thinking, our linear thinking. And yet over here, Uber's about to come. Over here, a pandemic's supposed to come. And we're not tooled to think outside of that box when it happens. Exactly. That's the fallacy of uh, experts are valuable. We all like to build our expertise. But maybe expert is too narrow. Maybe it's just mastery. And we expand our mastery by incorporating lots of other ideas. I mean, I, I read some really out, just weird books, you know, books that are storytelling that are uh, not anything related to the work I do. Great book on cholera outbreak, you know, that I just read a couple of years ago. And how people, again, use the same mindset to make connections about the source of the cholera outbreak, you know, and you can just see these moments that people have in, in so many different areas. And I find that energizing. I find that inspiring to, to see how others do it and then, you know, want to look for those moments in my life or to share with, you know, my children or my employees or my colleagues about what it means to recognize that moment and act in the moment as well. Yeah. Well, Cheryl, this has been a great conversation. Um, I wonder if we can, I always, I always ask uh, our community at the end of an interview like this, who else should we invite to the table for a great conversation that maybe extends our thinking in this area? And of course, you and I are gonna follow up later. If you're gonna be writing a book or a paper on this, <laughs> 
I'm going to want to dig into where you're at in a few weeks or months, right? Yeah. Uh, but uh, we'll want to dig further into this. But can you think of anyone uh, that you would like to invite to the table that you'd find would give you a Kairos moment, if you will? Um, one more um, tool in your handbag? Yeah, so uh, there is a person that I've known for a great many years, and he... He's a leader in his own right within the uh, um, international community for policing. And he's right here in Seattle. So um, it's uh, Chief Rod Covey with the Port of Seattle Police Department. Rod's been speaking on leadership to police organizations his whole entire career. He is inspirational. And I think that his ideas around leadership and at this time when we're addressing issues with policing and social justice, uh, I, I would I would reach out to Rod. I can connect you with him. I think that um, he's, as I said, an inspirational leader to uh, connect with, and he has some great insight. Well, this this is fantastic. We'll uh, we'll definitely make that happen. We really appreciate the intro, and uh, also we have two new books to put on our reading list. I'll get that on the <laughs> website. One by Gary Klein. And the uh, and the other one were uh, don't don't worry I'm sure I'll find the author Obliquity though is the title yeah <laughs> and I I, I want to pick it up just for that title right <laughs> uh, by the way Cheryl uh, Cheryl and I talked about it she is also uh, available as a uh, consultant and uh, speaker on the subject of uh, bringing inter enterprise security risk management to schools and in general, and outline a program that can react with a Kairos kind of behavior. And her story is amazing. I think uh, we just talked about, you may be on a webinar in August with uh, uh, Zenitel. So that, that's gonna be great. I'll look forward to that as well. Great, I look forward to more conversations with you and thanks for making all of these opportunities. These are your broadcasts on your, uh, on the Great Conversation website are amazing and, uh, you know, create that spark of new ideas that I think all of us are seeking. So thank well, you, Ron. So you've been able to listen to a few, huh? I have, yeah. I'm going to make my way through all of them. Okay. okay. Well, well, we have a, uh, we're going to be releasing yours probably uh, in the next few weeks. We, along with six others that aren't up there right now. So uh, for those of you tracking the summer series, uh, expect Cheryl to come in in, uh, you know, uh, late July, uh, early August. Thanks again, Cheryl. Thanks, Ron.